You are listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit irreverent.fm for more content from our friends. Activist theology is built on the power of story, and we believe story can change the world. We also know that being in community with one another on this journey will help to build a movement committed to collective liberation and a more loving world. We have a commitment to the ethics and politics of Encajunto, or togetherness. And we are together in this work with you. Hi, folks. This is Dr. Robin. And this is Reverend Anna Galladay. And we are your hosts for the Activist Theology Podcast. It's time for all of us to get our hands dirty. Well, hey there, Dr. Robin. What's going on? I know we have not gathered in a while to do this. It, I mean, life is just, it's crazy. <laughs> it's and people like are unhinged. Frenetic. Yes, people are unhinged. Yes, but we will get to that in a moment. <laughs> yeah, it seems like um, people are back to normal, whatever normal is, and I was on the road for two weeks, which was very odd. I have gotten very accustomed to being at home and not having to dress fully. Right, <laughs> right. And then I wasn't at home for two weeks and that was very odd. So we've been away from this little corner of the world, but I took a trip to Seattle and got to see our friend Matthias Roberts and did an, a, a book event there and then traveled down with a group of students from Duke Divinity and went to Tijuana and uh, went to Casa del Migrante, which is um, a social justice ministry that is Catholic in nature. And they receive migrants from all over the world, literally. And then I got a chance to go to LA to Homeboy Industries to think about what does... What does radical kinship really look like when you're formally incarcerated and trying to re-enter the world? So it was a great two weeks away, but you know, and there was a lot happening in those two weeks. Yes, which we will get to here. But um, how are you? Yeah, like you don't have to put pants on to get coffee anymore. Right. Yeah, I'm very grateful for that. So that's a good thing. Um. <laughs> I, I was I was talking with Anna Jelsey uh, mm-hmm. the other day. And, and we were both talking about how she works from bed and I said, oh, I just work in my underwear and tank. And I, you know, to do a talk, I put on my dress shirt and, and Aaron says, oh, you, you got your, you giving a talk today? That, is that your COVID profesh? <laughs> so Anna Jelsey and I were uh, commiserating with yes. um, our love of being able to work from home and, and however we want. And, and um, for two weeks, I couldn't do that. I, right. I had to put on hard pants. Yeah. I mean, I am, you know, as our listeners know, and you know very well, you know, I am one that, you know, likes to be in the world and likes to be, you know, uh, with others and 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 feeling that energy. And also, um, I, like, there are times where my truck doesn't move for five or six days. Mm-hmm. Now, my neighborhood is very walkable and I walk a lot of places. Um, so it, that doesn't necessarily mean that I haven't 
you know, been outside or, you right. know, gone and, 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 you know, gone to the dog park or gone to have a beer or what have you. But it, it does mean that I, you know, haven't gotten my keys out and driven. Right. And I have a friend who, um, has, we have this really great fundraiser in, in Chattanooga. Um, well, it started in Chattanooga and it's all over the country now called Pride Raiser. And soccer teams from across the country raise, uh, ask people to donate a certain amount of money in the month of June for every goal they score. And all of that money goes to a queer, um, uh, uh, some kind of a, you know, whether it's a queer housing, queer um, solidarity movement in their own community, they get to pick every year where that, where that money mm-hmm. goes. And I, th- they make scarves. So in soccer, oh. you know, we wear scarves even in the middle of summer. Yeah. And I have, I ordered my scarf and I have to go pick it up. And he <laughs> has said to me three or four times this week, are you going to be out today? Are you going to be out and about to, you know, come by and get your scarf? And I was like, uh, no, I, no, I'm not, yeah. I'm not, not going to be, I mean, I'm going to be out and about on my feet, uh, walking in my neighborhood doing things, but yeah. I'm not, get, I'm not getting in my truck to come see you. Yeah. <laughs> just so, yeah. Like it's so, it's still so foreign to me that that's the, that that's the, um, like the way that things have manifested for me, mm-hmm. um, over, over. <laughs> the, the, uh, the pandemic times. Um, but I, I am, um, I am well, uh, I have, uh, my, my family, my immediate family has been dealing with some, uh, finance and job related trauma, um, that really just, um, you know, was very unsurprised, very surprising and kind of hit us at a time we didn't expect it. And, um, Thankfully, I'm I'm now able to you know kind of talk about it as a story of resilience and, mm-hmm. um, uh, but you know, uh, capitalism is um, the the results of capitalism are criminal. Um, we are we are so deeply embedded um, in structures that I mean j- just harm and 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 you know, penalize us Mm -hmm. for things that, that we should never be penalized for. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I had been dealing with that over the last few weeks. Um, but I'm glad to say that I, I'm not dealing with it any longer. So I am well, um, we have, uh, we have opened our home to, uh, a young lady. We have someone living with us now, um, she is in between apartments and we offered to let she and her dog stay here for a few months while she's in that transition period. And it's been really lovely. Like I, I've been doing a lot of cooking and teaching her how to cook. She's really, she really wants to learn things that, um, you know, she wasn't taught when she was um, younger and, uh, her dog is fun and Ruthie's enjoying, you know, having another puppy around to, to play with and jostle for toy and attention with. So it's, it's been, it's been a really nice, um, addition, like having oh, her good. here and, um, ha- you know, has, has not, 
has not crimped our uh, style. So uh, we've we've been really grateful to to have her uh, part of the family for for the last few weeks. So good. Um, good. But yeah, otherwise, otherwise, uh, pretty pretty good here. Um, I, I'm chasing my tail from a work standpoint. I know you are too. We're both yeah. just so busy with things, but it's nice to sit down and just have a little while to talk with you about the, you know, forest fire that is the world right now. Yeah. Well, and I had commented, I think yesterday to someone, um, we, we usually record on Tuesdays, but this week recording on Thursday and it, and it's the end of May. I mean, this weekend is Memorial weekend. I, it's insane. I feel like we were just on Christmas break. Right. And yeah. I feel like this year is really flying. It is. And I think it's, I mean, that is accelerated by, you know, our understanding of the slow pace of 2020 Mm-hmm. Um, and the and the early parts of 2021, I think things feel so much faster because we experienced a slowness and an intentionality yeah. in ways that the large majority of us had never experienced before. And so we have this real time comparison between, um, you know, what our lives look like when we are. Um, in the middle of so much and also what our lives looked like when we had no choice, but to be Mm -hmm. in the middle of much less. So, but yes, very fast. It makes me, it makes me wonder um, how do we return to life right now? Um, We are still in a pandemic. I don't think they've changed. Lest others believe we aren't. Yeah. I don't think they've changed that. But um, I've been flying um, to get around to different places, and almost no one is wearing a mask. And, you know, I, I mean, I'm all for letting our immune systems um, rehabilitate or recuperate after being quarantined. But where is the line of... Um, tending to our immune systems and letting our immune systems get the necessary germs that it needs to fight off infection. Where's that line and the line of let's protect ourselves from a disease that we still don't know what all of the factors are post COVID. You know I mean? There are people who, have what they're calling long COVID and it's really troubling the, the ailments of long COVID. And so, and they're so varied. Yeah. I mean, you know, there, there are some who are struggling with lung issues and some who are struggling with fatigue and some with right. And brain fog, brain fog and some with like skin rash and like just really like there's a, yeah, there's a, a, um, I mean, I'm I'm both curious and really troubled by the variety of ailments that yeah. we are seeing as a result of this this virus. It's it's not um, it's it's unsettling. Yeah. So I've really been asking myself, what does it mean to stay safe in this quote unquote return to normal? Um, I've been wearing a mask. Uh, I've been wearing an N95 on the plane. 
um, you know, my partner is, well, they just had surgery and they have to have a second surgery in June. And so I'm like here out in the world, certainly trying not to bring COVID home or anything else that might compromise their health. And so, you know, I just wonder, are other people asking the same question? Um, what what are the resources people are finding? Um, it, are there any kind of community guidelines or community accountability around safety? Or, I mean, would we even call it safety or would we call it something different? I just I just feel curious about what does it mean to return to normal right now when they're still we're still in a pandemic and and no one is wearing a mask. Yeah, it's a um it's an oddity for sure. I mean, we are we are still masked indoors. Um well, I, I would say not still. We we stopped masking for a little while and um then with the resurgence of the Omicron variant, we went back to masking right. um and kind of recognized our error in that and um you know, are, are, are not masked outdoors, um, and still try to be outdoors as much as we can. Mm -hmm. Um, but it is, we live, you and I both live in a state and in a region of the country where individual rights, the, the need for people to claim their individual rights, Trump care for others. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if you went just about anywhere in Tennessee right now, you would think that we not only are not still in a pandemic, but it never happened in the first place. Right. Right. So um, we have decided this, this, um, this episode to really just um, navigate some of the stuff that we are seeing um, happen in the world. Uh, we would normally focus these episodes on kind of a very specific topic, but as we were chatting, there's there's just so much happening in the world that it feels it feels necessary for us to respond to. Yeah. Um, you know, we have once again seen a, a horrific mass shooting occur uh, in in the United States, a country where. I mean, like, this is the only country that has this epidemic. Mm -hmm. um, we have, you know. Well, and, and the shooting, I mean, there's been two within, like, 10 days, I think, of right. each other. Right. I mean, we are still burying the dead in Buffalo. Mm -hmm. And we are reporting on a new shooting in Texas. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's something about this should bother us. Right. <laughs> um, you know, we have, we have, uh, the, you know, Southern Baptist church, um, embroiled in, uh, a, a scandal of their own making a scandal that we all knew was there and was happening, but, right. uh, an independent reporting body has now, you know, given us clear and, really troubling results from the 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 work and the investigation that they have done um 
we have re- re- reproductive rights that that continue to be um, on the edge of the cliff, mm-hmm. uh, about to fall and um, you know be be destroyed at the bottom, um, and and we have uh, you know a, a body politic that is largely still consumed with their own requirements for staying in office and mm-hmm. the hubris that comes with trying to make sure that happens. Yeah. And I mean, and that's only what's happened in the last week. Right. <laughs> like, there, right. There's so many other continuing threads that, that, that have been, you know, pulled and started and, 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 you know, pathways that we could go down. But, um, where do you want to start today? Where do you want to, what do you want to dig into first? Um, I'm just thinking about, um, you know, there was, there was also a shooting in Orange County while I was on my trip. And so there's actually been three mass shootings, I think in the last 14 days or so. I don't have the dates in front of me, but it's, there's been three in very recent times. And I'm thinking about how, I mean, even the things that we mentioned doesn't encapsulate all of the wounds that are occurring right now. And one of the things that I have been thinking about is what do we do now? I mean, there's so much happening. The world is on fire. It feels like things are falling apart. What do we do? Not, and I, that's not a question of how do we fix it? My question is, okay, what now? Like, it's falling apart, so now what? And I feel like all of us are so busy putting out small fires that we may have lost vision or sight of a strategy to respond in a meaningful way. And so, yeah, sure, we could call for gun reform and whatnot. And yes, I think there does need to be like people should be able to buy AR15s. You know, it's a military grade weapon. But you know, so they can make all these legislative um fixes, if you will. But I feel very curious like us as community people who are trying to make meaning in this life. What do we do? And how do we do it? I'm, I'm unsure. I'm, I'm like you. I'm, I'm unsure of what the, what the answer is, what the, um, right or first response to that is. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, you know, we are, we remain humans who, um, seek deep connection within our own communities and within, mm-hmm. you know, those, those tight uh, kind of 
neighbor and friendship relationships around us. And we are touched every time violence happens, whether it is to one of those in our community or to those that we see from afar. Right. But what was it about this young man's life and this young man's community that either didn't like I'm struggling with this because I don't, I don't want the community to be blamed (laughs) because I feel as if, I feel as if the reflection, the, the thing that we are seeing in the mirror could just as easily be asked of us should uh, something like the trauma that happened in, in Texas happen here in, in Chattanooga or, or in Nashville. Is it, and this is where my curiosity is, is there something different or something more intentional or the way we are with one another that needs to be improved, codified, like, you know, deepened in order for the kinds of loss and trauma that this young man was seeing before him. Right. That was, you know, in, in, a way encouraging him to use, to take the action that he did. Right. What is it that we need to be doing with one another and alongside one another to, to make sure that every community and every tight knit organization and family structure within this place is, does not have people who feel lost and uncared for in ways that make them make them make decisions like this. Well, I mean, you know, this question that you ask, um, and I hear the fine balance that you're making. You don't want to blame the community, um, and right, <laughs> um, we are responsible for each other. And and I think, I think, I think what oftentimes happens is. You've got these libertarian frameworks where people think that they're just self-autonomous, disconnected from our larger community. And I think, you know, that hyper-individualism happens on both sides of the spectrum or on all sides of the spectrum. And I think that's a really dangerous place to be. Um, and, And so I do think that and this is tricky to say, but I do think we are all responsible for for um, for the actions that harm us. Um, and and that's that's a really difficult thing to say because I know that I didn't pull a trigger and you didn't pull a trigger. But what in my life and what in your life and what in the life of our communities 
has created conditions for this person to make this decision. And I think when we begin at a place that where the fascia of our community is actually present, where we're present to the connective tissue of togetherness, only then will we begin to sort of peel back the veneer of how we make changes. But I don't, I don't meet a lot of people who actually want to do that work. You know, they want to vote the right person into office and they don't want to be responsible for anything else. And, and I, and I, and and I question that because as you know, and we've said it here before, electoral politics won't save us. You know, it's really, it's really us we've been waiting for. Um, And yet so many people are invested in electoral politics. Um, And, and I think I said it not long ago somewhere, I can't remember where, but, you know, everybody's encouraging black women to run for office. And while that's good and great and and we should be encouraging that. What are we? A- what are we actually asking black women to get themselves involved in? And are we will? Are are we also going to be there when they become deeply compromised by the system? And then what do we do? Right. It's a. It it definitely speaks to our perception that the. I mean, when it all comes down to it, we shouldn't have to identify by gender, sex, race, fill in the rest of those those spaces, because we should already be a people where whiteness and cis-heteroness and maleness is not the the pinnacle. Right. It's not the peak of capacity and and knowledge and and energy within our systems. I understand why people are, you know, encouraging black women to run. And also it worries me it makes me worried for them. Mm-hmm. F- for their safety, for their for the ways that they may find themselves compromised, for the renewed trauma that they mm-hmm. will suffer in the midst of those races, the, those you know political races that they that they're going to engage in, why why should we not simply be a, a people who say to the white cis hetero men in power? Um, like you, you get your shit together. Mm-hmm. Like you, you be one who disentangles yourself from capitalism and and supremacy culture and the powers that that have have created such a structure that that you that we are identifying you now as the problem. that pendulum shift i mean that that swinging pendulum from cis hetero white male to black female 
should not have to be that extreme Mm -hmm. for us to feel as if we are able to have conversations and enter into a world of, of politics that, that seeks solutions. Well, and I think, I think a lot of people have been asking white male-bodied persons in government to get their shit together first by divesting from, um, money right and in corporate money right um but the white male-bodied folks are too intertwined with Uh corporate money that um you know that essentially keeps them in power right you know so um i i've always i've always looked to the social capital that people are able to get their hands on while in office. And largely when you follow that cash flow, you figure out who's funding these people to remain in power. And, and so, you know, if money is the issue, then is there a way to pivot Mm -hmm. from, from that? I want to I want to pull at this thread of responsibility a little more that you that you named, um, and and try to. Um, I I just I just I like I want to navigate that more. Mm-hmm. This you know I I watched on one of the news channels and I've been trying to really kind of sever myself from news. Um, just because of the way that I'm, I know that it's kind of creating additional anxiety in my, in my cells. The, I watched the niece, oh no, sorry, the aunt, the aunt of this young man who did the shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, just sob on, on television and, you know, express her disbelief, but also really, what I believe to be genuine condolences and, and heartbreak and compassion for the families that were destroyed through his actions. How do we balance and how do we navigate the challenges around our responsibility as community members to this young man? Mm-hmm. And also our recognition that her grief and her horror and her compassion are real mm-hmm. and are natural and, and really, I think, truthful responses to something that she could have never imagined coming. Right. Um, you're right. It is, it is very hard to name that we are responsible for one another. And that we are, that we we really do belong to one another, um, and yet we have to find ways to navigate this, it, where we where we express the, our the level of accountability that we have with each other in relationship, and also recognize that the decisions of one are not always reflective of the decisions of many. 
Right. Um, it's a, it, it, it's a really, really hard conversation to have. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, as we look at the way that we are tethered together, the way that we, you know, you and I and, and those around us have um, tried to be very mindful over the last several years about the way that community is built. And you have taught me so much about how to really be with mm-hmm. and for one another, those, for those that I claim to be um, family. Mm-hmm. What, is the, what is the praxis that you think is missing from communities like the one that this young man came from mm-hmm. um, or like the communities that some of our politicians have come from um, or our pastors have come from. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could probably predict my answer, but it I think it comes down to relationships. Yeah. And in large part, we have left people behind. We have had an awakening and, 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 and for some people, the awakening is gaining power. For other people, the awakening is, oh, my inherited theology or my inherited political beliefs are actually harming me, so I'm going to pivot into a different orientation or a different practice. And we end up leaving our communities behind. I just mm-hmm. was talking with um, a friend from high school. And I was asking him this morning, do you ever talk to anybody from high school? And he says, not really, you. And I said, well, you know, n- you know, not really. I, I was in touch with a couple people, but, you know, life is so fragmented. And um, I think we've forgotten how to be in relationship with people when we have internal changes that draw us to other communities. You know, the, the, the leave no one behind mentality is really important. I think it often gets deployed in very wrong ways. Um, But we have left communities of color behind in many respects. Um, the the infiltration of drugs into the projects, the fact that we built projects to segregate people. You know, we have built structures that fundamentally leave people behind. And so then the relationship practices, what gets played out is a very separateness, not even a separate but equal, but like a very separateness and hierarchical relationality that – I think we're we're seeing it like we're seeing it played out right now. I I have you know I've I have like you um, friends that you know I I haven't talked to in in a very long time. My very best friend from high school lives about two hours from me um, in Alabama, and I. I have found myself having a really hard time reaching out and connecting with her because of what I know to be her 
and and I don't say this flippantly, her MAGA extreme right politics and ethic. Um, and you know, there's, there's an uncomfortableness there for me, um, because of our, our history and, and me knowing her so deeply and, and, and really, really being like immersed in her life for, 12 or 15 years, you know, mm-hmm. from the time we were in middle school until we were, you know, in our, our mid twenties. So, so that is, that, that is one kind of challenge personally that I, that I, that I'm seeing. The other is relationships take time, not, not from a length standpoint, but from uh, in the moment commitment to being in relationship with people at all times, in all ways, we we have not established ourselves as human beings who carve out parts of our day to just simply be in relationship with other people. Right. We are programmed to the point that we are lucky if we have the time to send a check-in text. Right. (laughs) To um, respond to a check-in text. Right. To, you know, call a family member. I mean, I do still know people who, you know, talk to certain people every single day. Mm Um. on the phone, whether it's, you know, their, their mother or their, their child or a, a, a friend. Um, and, and, and that's beautiful. And also like, that's pretty much the only person that they talk to with that consistency. Right. And so w- we've gotten ourselves in a really big predicament because we are, we are calling on one another, rightfully so, to engage in the kind of relationality that keeps us intertwined with each other and connected to each other. And yet we do not allow ourselves, nor nor does this culture allow ourselves, the spaciousness to do relationships well and to stay connected in ways that um, that we actually have time to, to manage. Yeah. Um, I can't tell you the number of friends that, that say to me, oh gosh, like we haven't talked in so long. I'm sorry. Like I'm so busy. Mm -hmm. I get that. Yeah. (laughs) Like I hear that and I feel that in my bones and in my being. And, and it's every system is against us being those people Mm -hmm. that we call ourselves to be that, you know, that you, name as the kind of people that could actually change the world and make this a world that we actually want to live in. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it is a, it is a, it's a mess. It's a web. It's a, I mean, I use this word all the time. It's a hairball mm-hmm. <laughs> of system manipulation because every single system is against us. Mm -hmm. in being those kinds of relational people. Yeah. And, and I, 
And I find that it's this thing that you're talking about. And then, I mean, I texted you about this a year ago or so um, when John Pavlovitz went onto Twitter and was, was essentially using a discourse that I find very violent to talk about how he is not connected to MAGA people or even Trump. And, and I wrote back and I, or I tweeted back publicly and I was like, uh, we belong to everyone. And he was like, I don't belong to him. He doesn't belong to me. And so even on the progressive side of things, there is this fundamentalism that I find very problematic that just feels reactionary. And, you know, his followers came back and tweeted at me some really awful things. And I'm like, that's, that's also a problem. And yeah, I get mitigating harm. And also if we really are the people of Jesus, we say we are, then we really do belong to each other. All of right. us, enemies and friends, <laughs> right? Um, whether we like it or not, like there's no right. getting out of that, right? And I find the fundamentalisms on both sides really toxic. Um, and I mean, I just continue to find flaws within progressive Christianity that is is simply just a reaction to what they don't believe, but they don't. But oftentimes, progressive Christians don't realize they're using the same logic, correct, as who they are fighting against. And yes. so, I, you know, I'm just, I, I just continue to, I don't know, hope against all hope. You know, I mean, um, and also it's slow work, and I think there are a lot of people who think after one march or after one rally or after one podcast or after one sermon or after one book, then we've all arrived. And that's also not how this works. Right. There are days that I wish that uh, these kinds of conversations had resolve, had a, you know, mm -hmm. nice, you know, bow or package we could tie up at the end and feel as if there was something accomplished. Mm-hmm. But most days, I'm just glad that there are people that are willing to stay in this conversation, recognizing that there's a unknownness mm -hmm. to both how we will ever find ourselves there, and also that it is in that non-resolution <laughs> that we have the possibility and the imagination to do and be different. Yeah. I mean, as you know, my own theology is a theology on the way a theology becoming. And as my teacher, Dr. Nancy Bedford says, it's resolved by walking. And what she means by that is um, we have to be on the way with one another and we have to steward conditions for being on the way. Right. And um, if we're not on the way, um, then we'll, I, I mean, I just don't think we'll be able to bring heaven to earth in the ways that we think we can. Right. And so, 
a relationality on the way, an ethics on the way, a theology on the way, a politics on the way. Um, it's all wrapped up in being on the way. Well, friends, we hope that this episode finds you um, finding some um, really some a, a point of um, kind of just sitting and being who you are and recognizing who you can be in your own relationships and and knowing that the things that are happening in the world are um, they are related to us and they touch us. They also do not define us. And so um, Dr. Robin, thanks for this conversation. Thanks for um, being someone that asks us to recognize that our imagination for more really is mm -hmm. something that we all possess. <laughs> um, and um, like, well, we may never figure it out, but we will continue yeah. to yeah. be in the process of, yeah. of doing it, being on the yeah. way to, to doing it. Friends do follow us, um, follow us on the app, atporch.com. Follow us on all of our socials. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Um, we love engaging with you and we're curious what you think about this. Um, it's, uh, it's a difficult conversation, but it's one that if we stop having, um, the possibility is, is, is also dead. Mm -hmm. um, the possibility for us to be the kind of people that we want to be in the world and to see the kind of world we imagine is, is not, it will never be yeah. attained. So until next time, Dr. Robin, I have a new quote, please. Hope is the seed of liberation. Yes. Hope is the seed of liberation. We want to thank you for listening this week. We encourage you to share this podcast with your community. If you enjoy us and our work in the world, please give us five stars on your podcast platform. Want to help support this podcast? Go to activisttheology.com and click on podcast. We can only do this work with the help of you. Our listeners, you have no idea how much even a small monthly or one-time gift means to this work. The music you hear in this episode is Hands Dirty by Delta Ray. Our sound editor is Dan Medley from 10 South Sounds. I get my hands dirty. I show up so early. They show me no mercy. You are listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit irreverent.fm for more content from our friends.